Greetings, everybody, and welcome to another edition of AUHSD Future Talks. I'm your host, Michael Matsuda, superintendent of the Anaheim Union High School District. And as everybody knows, this show is dedicated to the future of work and careers for our 30,000 students and their families. We've been very blessed over this last several months to have amazing guests from college presidents to CEOs and to um, really forward-thinking teachers that are helping us transform this district to uh, focusing on careers and student voice and purpose. And today, our special guest is Dr. Sabina Jacomas, an amazing teacher at Magnolia High School. Sabina, would you like to say hi to everybody? Hi, everyone. And we always start the show, Sabina, with just getting a little bit of background information about you and how you became a teacher and how you ended up at Magnolia High School. Sure. So um, I started my career at Magnolia High School back in the year 2000 when I was hired um, as an intern athletic trainer. And so um, I've I've been at Magnolia for a long, long time. Um, I started teaching at Magnolia in 2007 um, as a health teacher. So I taught health science there for about seven years. Um, I went back to school to earn my PhD in uh, curricular and instructional um, studies. And um, I started teaching biology and anatomy physiology in about 2013, 2014. And I've been there ever since. And you've um, made a profound difference in terms of... um, just your, your, your teaching chops, because I understand you also uh, work very closely with UC Irvine. Could you share a little bit about that relationship? Sure. So um, when I finished the PhD program, I uh, started as an adjunct professor at UC Irvine, teaching in both the Caltech department and the Department of Education in the Masters of Teaching program. And then you've become department chair. A leader at Magnolia High School. And Magnolia, uh, the, our listeners may not know this, but Magnolia is, Magnolia Dale is an area that's very highly impacted by poverty, by homelessness. In fact, the corridor between Brookhurst and Beach Boulevard in Orange County has the highest concentration of apartments and motels. We have kids living in motels. We have kids uh, probably the highest percentage of, of homeless kids in, in the district. And um, a lot of challenges, and certainly COVID has exposed a lot of these challenges in terms of uh, the, the poverty, the lack of food, and the lack of access to nutrition and health care. Could you share a little bit about the demographics, more about the demographics uh, around Magnolia? Yeah, so um, one of the things that I think is really interesting about Magnolia is that we have so many different cultures um, that blend together on our campus. And so we have so many students that are first generation that are, um, I'm always impressed with how helpful our students are because they're used to translating for their parents. They're good communicators. Um, They're able to ask the right questions in order to get the things that they need for their families. So um, I think one of the things that's special about Magnolia is how diverse we actually are. Now, one of the things that you um, felt compelled to do is create a garden there. 
and also like hydroponics. You, you're a teacher that's written grants. So I would imagine because of what you saw at, as a need for young people to really be exposed to um, real organic food. Could you give us a little bit of background around how that evolved? Sure. So I mentioned earlier that I taught health science at Magnolia High School for quite a few years. And I realized when I was teaching the nutrition units that there was not a lot um, that I had to give to the students physically to show them what I meant when I talked about, you know, the vitamins, the minerals, um, the empty calories in a donut or in something that they're eating at McDonald's. And so I had this vision that one day Magnolia High School would have a garden on their campus where students could actually touch the food that they were growing and eat it as well. And so about five years ago, I wrote a few grants and we um, were lucky enough to be awarded them. Um, and we started building a garden um, on Magnolia High School's site where, and we, we created an agriculture club. Where we have about 30 to 40 students that have been involved with that every single year. Um, and students come out, they help after school, and we've done, um, we, yeah, we've done a lot of amazing things with our agriculture club. So you have like, a, uh, I mean, I visited that uh, little garden, which is kind of in the center of, of the school many times, and, and we're, we've been blessed with a number of teachers uh, like yourself who really have done similar things that and created these gardening spaces. For kids, can you share a little bit about how you've seen kids sort of transform? Because when I was there to see them, I mean, they were state, I mean, to take care of the garden and they're just, they take so much pride in it. And to have, you know, like a real homegrown tomato or cucumber, can, can you have any stories to share about how they've, uh, they've been transformed, some of the kids? Sure. So, Everything that we do in the agriculture club is student-centered. I really try to listen to the student voices and what they want, that it's not you know, the teacher's vision, but it's what the students wanted for their campus. And so when I originally got together with some of the leaders of our agriculture club five years ago and asked, what do you want to see in this garden? We have this money, we can build it, it's doable, but what do you want to see on your campus? And so many of them said, we want a place that is the center of campus that people can come and they can sit, that it's open, that it's, that it's not closed. They didn't want a big gate around it where, you know, with a lock that students couldn't come in to experience not only the beauty of the garden and the sanctuary of the garden, but also to be able to come in and look and, and feel like they're, they're part of that community of the garden. And so um, as the students started to talk about what, what do we want from this garden, students wanted to grow food to not only to give to their families, but that would also be seen as a nutritious way of um, increasing nutrition through our food services. So do you feel like, um, you know, this homegrown food, like I can remember when I first had a homegrown tomato and just how proud you are to grow your own food and to bite into a homegrown tomato versus something bought at the store. I mean, do they, have they noticed that, that difference? Yeah, absolutely. I think one of um, the most exciting things that I see from students that come into the garden is when they ask, can I take this home? Am I allowed to take this squash or this eggplant or, or this tomato or this cucumber? Can I take it home to my family? Absolutely. So when they take it home, I always request that they send me a picture the next day 
uh, with the food that, that was cooked at home. And one of the things that I realized that's so interesting, like I, like I mentioned, Magnolia is so diverse that there's so many different recipes out there that families are using that I've never seen before. What did your mom do with that spaghetti squash? Well, I've never seen it cooked like that before. And so things that we can share across our community, across the families that we serve in the AUHSD, I think is, is really exciting. And then I think after that, or maybe concurrent to that, you did write another grant to create a, sort of a hydroponics uh, greenhouse at the side of the school. Could you share a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. So we knew that our garden was successful and we felt like we had done everything that we could with the original grant in the original um, in-ground garden. And so the students started talking about a aquaponic system. So we, uh, we joined with the STEM club. So we have a STEM club on campus as well. And so the agriculture club and the STEM club got together and said, what, what grants are available that are out there that we can get funding for a hydroponic system? So it was, it was a year and a half long process. Once we received the grant, uh, we went to our BIDA program and BIDA was actually able to build a greenhouse for us with the funds that we had. Um, we were able to uh, build our own fish tank. So we had tilapia um, and the kids actually engineered the, um, the irrigation system that would funnel the water from the tilapia into a drip system into these vertical um, vertical planters that were in the, the greenhouse. That That is incredible. And I remember, um, you know, I think that may have been one of the times that we had met because I saw I had a tour of that. And that uh, greenhouse is located on the side of the campus and adjacent to a two acre empty field. And I think that's when we started, you uh, started to plant the idea of possibly this urban farm. And um, that idea now is going to become a reality. Can you share a little bit about that story? Because that's something that I I am so excited about in terms of the district uh, building a, a sustainable urban farm. Sure. So not very many people know when you come on Magnolia's campus, um, there is about two acres of space behind the science and math buildings. And um, you would only know that it's there if you came onto campus and you walked through the back of one of the science um, science classrooms. So it is a dirt lot. There's not much back there. Um, it also backs up to our weight room. And so knowing that this land was there and, and it's been there empty for years and years and years. Um, we had some principals that said, hey, you know, what can we do with this space? And, um, and all of a sudden, the ball got rolling and things have happened very, very quickly. Um, and so we've decided with your support to build a sustainable agricultural site um, on that land. And the partnerships and uh, that we're working with are pretty, um, pretty amazing. Could you share what uh, some of the partners that are coming in to help build and maintain and, and sustain this? It's really a laboratory, right? Yeah, absolutely. So we are so lucky that so many people have been gotten on board. As soon as we mentioned what we wanted to do and what the vision was, 
Um, it, we were like magnets. A lot of different, um, a lot of different partnerships came our way. So we have the Ecology Center, which is going to be doing our, our site design and also some mentorship. Um, we have Ocapica, which is helping us with our community outreach. And so reaching out to communities so that they understand what we're doing. This is not just something for our students, which is important and the education of our students, but also bringing in the community around Magnolia and also the greater AUHSD boundary lines that, so that they can see what's happening. Um, we have other partnerships like Gear Up and the UCI Science Project, who's excited to bring on UCI STEM students and professors to help us um, create the educational experience that we want our students to have when, when they come on campus. So, Sabina, this is something that is unprecedented in terms of uh, cross-curricular as well as cross-district because you have teachers from Catella and South and Oxford, obviously Dale, which is the feeder to Magnolia. Could you share a little bit about some of the thinking regarding the curricular development, um, this whole cross-curricular component, what that might look like? Sure. So we know that there are many school sites in the AUHSD that already have gardens. And so there's already teachers that are excited about environmental science, about sustainability in gardening and agriculture. And so some of the school sites have smaller gardens. Some of them have larger gardens. Um, some of them already have their own agriculture or gardening clubs. Um, but moving forward, we realized that just because this agricultural site is on Magnolia High School's campus, it's too big of an idea to just keep to ourselves. Um, we know that we that we want to reach out to, to the greater Anaheim district. Um, and we have so many teachers that are already involved with civic engagement um, that are already doing, uh, we already have AP environmental science groups. There's also ROP classes, culinary arts. So there's so many different programs and projects that we have across the district that really tie into what we're trying to do at Magnolia site. So as the farm is built out, I know that you teachers, you're leading a number of little uh, teachers who are developing these units and lessons um, around data analytics and around sort of creating uh, baseline uh, data defining what a food desert is. Could you share with the audience what is a food desert and what you hope to uh, gather from this baseline data? Sure, so from some of the research that I've been doing, um, a food desert really has a spectrum of how much food is available to each community. And we know that there are neighborhoods that we serve in the AUHSD that have limited access to food. And so limited, having limited access to fresh nutritional food is really what defines a food desert. So for example, if I live on the corner um, uh, of an intersection and it takes me more than half a mile to walk, to a grocery store that actually sells fresh fruits and vegetables. So we're not talking about a, a convenience store or um, some type of like mom and pop liquor store, but places that actually have a produce section. Um, that would be the definition of a food desert. And we do know that there's many families in the AUHSD that do not have access to cars. And so when you don't have access to transportation, it makes it even harder to get access to that fresh produce. 
Now, I know that some of the teachers are going to look at uh, through the lens of uh, data analytics and looking at census data to get um, uh, students actually gathering the data like um, the, uh, di you know, dialysis, uh, you know, diabetes, uh, childhood uh, obesity, um, heart disease. And apparently that information is available through census tract data. So I know that our our teachers are being uh, developing lessons around that to create, like you said, multiple metrics of what we can look at uh, in quantifiable data in terms of defining the, uh, the, uh, the food desert. Because the goal is over the years to transform that into a food, nutrition, health oasis, right? Could you share a little bit about that vision, what you would hope to see in terms of this transformation of some of central Anaheim? Sure. So there's there's lessons being created among um, science and history and statistics teachers um, throughout our district right now to start helping students understand how to analyze data. And so having students collect their da own data um, to begin with and to look at how, how do you clean the data so you understand what you're looking at and are we really looking at the right populations and what access um, what accessible food we have access to, um, and then helping those students break down what is it in this data that we want to focus on, and then looking ahead at having students uh, design solutions, create action plans so that we can follow up on this data. So it's not just understanding the data and looking at what, what is affecting our community, but then taking it a step further, um, and that's really the civics piece. Um, and, and which is why we have teachers from all over the district that have been trained through the AUHSD on civic engagement. So, um, so yeah, it, it goes from data analytics and, you know, surveying students and having students look at uh, map data that's already available to us um, and then moving towards uh, designing solutions around the issues that we see coming from that data. And, and we hope to see a change in in. Uh, student and family behavior in terms of the food choices they make, right? Whether I'm going to eat fast food at McDonald's or try to grow my own, not only through the farm, but maybe even at in the apartments, right? Um, creating uh, maybe through BIDA and ROP where you can have kits, right? That uh, little gardening kits uh, that can, uh, you know, you can grow your own in, in an apartment or something like that. And having the understanding around uh, organic gardening, Right. And, and, and uh, so that's hopefully part of the, the vision, right, that we can transform neighborhoods and, and just create a higher aware of a higher level of awareness leading to behavioral change. Correct. Yeah, we're really looking for this cultural and social change within not just our students, but our communities. So, uh, you know, some of the, the questions that I'm starting to look at asking our students is, in, in your own household, does anybody encourage you to eat fruits and vegetables? What's the conversation around the dinner table? Um, or are you, are you shamed for not eating, you know, when you're eating a bag of hot Cheetos or, you know, the frozen pizza, are you, or do you feel shameful for eating those things? And so how do we create this positive awareness around food um, where students want to eat, 
um, the food that, that we're growing or the food that they're growing on their own once they have the skills to do so, even if it's on an apartment terrace, even if it's on you know a sidewalk plot. What is it that we can do to shift this, this idea of um, it's just easier to, to go to a fast food restaurant? So, um, yeah. Do you, uh, Sabina, are you aware, aware of other projects? I mean, this is why I'm excited because I, to my knowledge, I, I think this is going to be like one of the first of its kind regionally, but, and I know that you, you work with UCI folks and you said that they're very excited about this, but uh, for our audience, I mean, this, this doesn't happen that, that often in education. Could you share like how, how big of a deal this is? Sure. Yeah. So over the last, I'd say, four months since we knew that this project was going to get off the ground, um, I've tried to go out there and find as many other places to learn, you know, what mistakes have you made and what can we do um, to do better to, to get the right foot forward. And so there's very few other farms in Orange County um, on school campuses. There are a few, um, but I don't think that anyone has the amount of partnerships that we already have. Um, and I don't think that anyone is looking at the, the student and community. I think, and that's, that's the key right there, is it's not just student education, um, which will be robust, but it's also the community education and bringing the families um, to our site. And I think that's going to be a majority of the work that Ocapica is doing with this community outreach and really getting our community on campus um, to do, you know, parent cooking nights, to do cultural herb gardens so that community members are teaching other community members, you know, these are the recipes that I use in my household um, to, to use these these vegetables and, and these fruits. So sometimes I think of recipes as almost like a lost language. You know, we talk about different cultures losing losing their their language or their dialects. And, and I sometimes think that some of the recipes that we use in different cultures are becoming lost as well as as we become more and more urbanized. Wow, what a vision. And now you do have a name for this project. What can you share with the audience what this the name is? Sure, so we have officially named the, um, the site the Magnolia AgriScience Community Center. Yeah, I love the fact that you've chosen community center because that has a larger footprint. And like you say, it's not just students and staff, but it's the entire community. Um, and it's even bigger than Magnolia. So we're really excited about that. And I guess the last question is, you know, this is about jobs and careers. What do you see the connection between all the stuff that we just talked about and potential jobs and career training for kids? Yeah, so I think um, there's so many different careers around food and food production. Um, and I know that we already have ROP uh, courses on many of our sites for culinary arts, but there's also ROP courses on sustainable agriculture. So um, understanding soil testing. So there's a lot that we can do. I'm biased towards um, the things that we can do in the sciences. So looking at soil testing, looking at um, fresh water and irrigation. And we know with climate change, how many different issues are arising for our farmers in California, having to, you know, let entire crops go because of the, the, the water issues that we're having right now and not, not having enough access to water. Well, as you shared earlier, just 
having the data analytics piece that that applies to any field that you're inter- that you might uh, be interested in. So I think there's a lot of applicable job skills that are going to come out of this amazing project. So, you know, Sabina, I told you it's going to be fast. That goes by very fast, these interviews, especially if it's uh, something as exciting about this transformative uh, urban farm project. And on behalf of our 30,000 students and our parents and all of our teachers, we're so proud of you and the work that you and your colleagues have already accomplished. And we look forward to hearing much more. Thank you so much, Sabina. Thank you.